So a listener writes, Dan, I don't even dream anymore. All right, now we're going to make this a, a downer episode, but I, got, I get notes like that a lot. That kind of sentiment, Dan, I don't even dream anymore. Well, you know, in coaching people going through change, I'm often struck by their discouragement, the frustration, and, and sometimes resentment or even guilt, anger. But I've come to recognize that those feelings reveal the person is always looking backward at something that's already occurred. As soon as we're able to create a clear plan for the future, those feelings dissipate. They're replaced by hope, optimism, and enthusiasm. You know, in all my years of coaching, I've never seen a person who has a clear plan and goals for the future who's also depressed. They just don't go together. All right, stick around. We're going to look at some steps for moving forward right after these messages from our supporting sponsors. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. All right, we got a great mix today of questions that deal with uh, some things that are challenging. And certainly there are challenging things. But we also got some fun stuff that I want to share with you. Uh, just sold a car. Uh, some of you have asked me about that. I want to share about that. Actually, I'm going to use that as our resource today. I'll tell you about that here in a second. But here's some of the questions we're going to be looking at. You know, like I started out, Dan, I don't even dream anymore. Well, someone else says, how can I make plans for the future if I'm depressed? Here's one. We got a really great audio question. It's only eight words long. It says, will I come into money in the future? And you know what? I can answer that question. All right. And then somebody says, do you still stay in touch with the man who loaned you that Mercury Zephyr years ago? In 48 Days to the Work You Love, I talk about, you know, really downtime when Jason Bank took everything, the IRS took everything else, and I had to borrow a car just to get out and start selling door to door again. So I'll give you an update on that. That was a long time ago, but somebody asked about that. Is uh, you know somebody reached out with a gesture, helped me out in a time of need? Was that just a one-time encounter, or is that still a friendship? So I'll update you on that. So our quotation comes from the magic of thinking big. Now I'm going to draw some principles from that today as we talk through some of this. But David Schwartz, the author of that, says, "Smile big, try to feel defeated, and smile big at the same time. You can't." All right, so. We're going to dig into that. Our resource then is about driving a car that you love. And you know that I'm a car guy. And we've got a resource where I put together some ideas about how you can you know, drive a car that you really love. You know, part of living a life you love, I think, is driving a car you love. I just... Uh, that's something that I've, I've always done that. Even when times were tough, I still had cars that I enjoyed because I've always been able to drive cars that really don't cost me any money. And I'll tell you how I, how I did that. But uh, the resource, if you go to 48dayseagles.com slash car hacking, just like it sounds, just all one word, C-A-R-H-A-C-K-I-N-G, you can see a video of me. 
a little video there explaining it. And then if you want more information, of course, we got a little course there. Now, why, why do you invest in you know, books, courses, events, conferences, coaching? You know, I talk about a lot of things that I do, the things that I continue to invest in. And I'm in the process right now of interviewing again for a coach in a particular area of my life that I want to really make some progress. And I'm looking for a coach because I'm not patient enough to just do it the slow way. And that's exactly why I invest because I'm not just paying for the content, for the knowledge. You know, I can learn that on my own. So over a period of time, you can too, probably. I'm paying for the speed. I don't have the patience to wait. You know, I tell the old story about Tony Robbins, who was encouraged from a friend of his to spend $35 when he was making $40 a week, $35 to go to a Jim Rohn conference. And he's like, geez, I can't afford that. And the guy said, well, you can take 10 years to learn those principles, or you can go to this weekend seminar and learn them. That's what you get when you invest in books, courses, events, conferences, coaching, that kind of thing. You increase the speed at which you can move ahead. That's certainly what I look for. Now, I want to start off with something. It's just been, God, it's just been... um, kind of made aware. We've had some house guests who um, had the TV on, much more than we're used to having the TV on in our house. And when I see the things on there, when I see the news, it just makes me cringe. I want to walk out of the room as fast as I can. Keep in mind, we're not really seeing the news. The news implies that it's information that we need to know about it. And it's objective and, you know, just things that are going to help us be informed. No, the news is a business. They're putting garbage on there because they know that it keeps people's attention. And if it keeps people's attention, then they can sell the ads around that. And that's how they generate money. So you turn the news on and you're going to see things about murder, you know, right there in your own hometown. You know, things that disasters that are happening. You're going to hear about the the latest politician who's dishonest. You're going to hear about a pastor who made some stupid decisions. You're going to hear about war around the world. You're going to see pictures, images of war. You're going to hear about economic crisis. You're, those are the things that you're going to hear about on the news. Please be very careful about spending your time watching the news, allowing that into your mind. The old principle from the strangest secret that set me on this path years and years ago when I was just a farm kid, we become what we think about. If you have that stuff in your mind, you're going to think about it more. I mean, it, it affects how you view the world. If you see that people are getting robbed and murdered, and it's going to make you expect that no matter where you live, no matter what kind of surroundings you have. Now, I, I walk in our neighborhood every morning. You know, you've heard me talk about that. I often leave the house. I see a brilliantly bright moon and then it gets dimmer and then I see the rising sun. I mean, I love that time of day. I see beautiful birds coming to life, announcing to the world their plans for the day. I see neighbors who are out early walking their dogs. Just this morning, I talked to the guy who I've seen a couple of times from a distance, but I, I stopped and talked to him. He rides a recumbent bicycle, you know, down low to the ground sitting low with his feet out in front of him, really a cool thing. And he's got a big Ferrari flag that flies off the back of that. So I stopped, his name is Bob, stopped and talked to him. Well, that's the kind of thing I expect when I go walking in the morning. There's a lady who walks in the community whose husband was a criminal attorney. He was used to dealing with bad guys. I mean, really bad guys. 
won't go into detail on that. But he wants her to carry a gun when she walks in the neighborhood. Not too long ago, he actually told me this, not too long ago, she saw a form ahead of her. She was ready to pull the gun and shoot. Well, it turns out it was a porta potty that wasn't there the day before because there's a new construction process, a new house going up. It was a porta potty. But because her expectation is that there's probably some bad guys around, she sees inanimate objects as a bad guy. I mean, well, anyway, I don't want to go into that anymore. I just want to sow the seed there. Be very careful about what you let into your mind. Now, that relates to some of the things we're going to unpack here as well. Um, what you have in your mind tends to be your reality. Got a note here from Juan who says, Dan, I don't even dream anymore. Somehow I have to get going. You know, instead of uh, taking time to, I could, I could read a lot of them that are similar to that, but I'm going to just go to another one here and we'll kind of wrap some of these together. So Rita says, Dan, I'm reading the book, 48 Days to the Work You Love. I'm on chapter four. In your book, it says that I can't make plans for the future if I'm depressed. I am so depressed. I can't even function some days. I'm bored to death with my job. It's an eight to five with all the perks. Super easy, not a lot of pressure. I can change up the hours somewhat. It's 10 minutes from my home, so I have an easy commute. Anyway, the question is, how to set up goals when I'm depressed? How can I get undepressed? Is that a word? I'm not sure that's a word, undepressed. Yeah, it ought to be. I guess it could be. And she says, thanks. I really like your book. Well, thanks for your comment there. I'm, I hope you are able to resolve some of this as you read more through the book. But I went there and I thought, where did I talk about being depressed in 48 Days to the Work You Love, because that's not something that I talk about a lot. So I pulled up the manuscript, did a word search. You know, it's easy to do that really quickly. Did a word search, and I found only once in the entire book where I used the word depressed. I thought, well, that's kind of cool. I'm glad about that. And here's what it came from. And it's the part that I kind of recapped just as I opened uh, our episode today. You know, in coaching people going through change, I'm often struck by their discouragement, frustration, resentment, and and so on. I've come to recognize that those feelings reveal the person is looking backward. That's something that's already occurred. As soon as we're able to create a clear plan for the future, those feelings dissipate and are replaced by hope, optimism, and enthusiasm. In all my years of coaching, I've never seen a person who has a clear plan and goals for the future who is also depressed. There's the word. That comes from chapter four in 48 Days to the Word. Clear plan for the future and being depressed, they just don't go together. Now, I'm going to take an approach here, and I want to, I want to put a caveat in here because there are people who are clinically depressed, who need help with that. Thankfully, there are wonderful psychotropic medications out there that can help people. There's a lot of people who are would describe themselves as feeling depressed, who don't need medication, and who can change where they're going, change who they are, what they are, by just making the decision to do that. Again, I don't want to just minimize the process here, but we all have times where we're discouraged or our, our mood isn't great in the day. So if we're going to assume this is not a clinical depression, Rita, when the way you describe it, you know, it doesn't sound like that. You know, you, you've got a 
job that's okay. You just you know, can't get really excited about what the future is going to be. So we're going to focus on uh, the kind of situation where you really can make the decision. I'm going to give you some clear tips for how to do that. Now, I'm going to draw some from The Magic of Thinking Big, the book that I mentioned. That little book was published in 1959. I love these books that have been around a very long time. So that was, what, that's uh, 64 years ago. Now, I got my cop, my first copy. Again, I really got introduced to this kind of material in my late teens. It was part of that separation from um, the world my mom and dad had known of uh, simple farming life. But when I was thinking more, got introduced to The Strangest Secret when I was like 13 years old, you know, and started listening to audio programs from these masters of achievement who talked about you can change your life by changing your thinking. So I was probably in my late teens, maybe early 20s when I got my first copy of this book, The Magic of Thinking Big. And I've read it many times. I recommend that each of my children and grandchildren read it by the time they're 13 or 14 years old. So some of the principles out of there, you know, how do you defeat this discouragement, the negative power that it creates? One thing, reader, that I recommend is that you immediately stop telling yourself you're depressed. Stop describing yourself as that. And it reminds me of the old Henry Ford, you know, quotation, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. If you tell yourself you're depressed, you are. And counterpart, if you stop telling yourself that, I'm pretty confident you would stop feeling depressed. So let's look at some of the things that you can do just to change your state of mind. Again, coming from the magic thinking big, be a front seater. Sitting up front builds confidence. Just, you know, a lot of people come into a room, they kind of slide into the back, you know, hoping for an early escape and that they won't be noticed and won't have to respond. Be a front seater. Be engaged in whatever it is that you're doing. Number two in this, practice making eye contact. You'd be surprised the people that I talk to. Well, you won. You, you experience it as well. Who, you know, failure to make eye contact. They're kind of looking around the room or they're looking down. Failure to make eye ta- contact says, I feel weak beside you. I feel inferior to you. When you avoid looking somebody straight in the eye, you say, I'm afraid. I lack confidence. What else can you do? Walk 25% faster. Now, these are tangible things that you can do that I think are going to change how you feel really, really quickly. I don't want it to just be kind of some airy-fairy, you know, well, positive mental attitude. No, I want specific things you can do. Walk 25% faster. That may seem like, gee, that's, you, you got a natural gait. Well, you do, but if you change it, you know, psychologist tells you, you can actually change your attitude by changing your posture and your speed. Someone who's depressed tends to shuffle along. I mean, they, they walk with their shoulders slumped down. It's pretty easy. I mean, I, I like to watch people, you know, used to, if Joanne wanted to go to the mall, you know, I'd take the kids with us and I'd tell the kids, hey, let's sit here and just watch people. You can tell a lot by just watching people. You can tell how people feel, what they think about themselves, how much confidence they have just by watching them walk. Someone who's depressed tends to shovel along. So you walk with your shoulders back, your head up straight. 
mean, I worked with a speech coach years ago, and we were just working on ways that I could project better, not have my voice go into vocal fry, like go, what happens when your voice is really tired and you get too much air coming through. And he'd push my shoulders back, have me stand up against a wall, and then he'd push my shoulders back. And he said, okay, now speak. Now you're speaking from your diaphragm where you have full body. Incidentally, like when I'm doing a podcast like this, I'm always standing. I mean, 100% of the time, I do not do a podcast sitting down, even though I'm by myself in my office, nobody's watching. I, I stand up because it changes how I feel, how I speak. So you can do that. You can, you can, you know, too often we respond to our feelings and then act out our feelings. Don't let yourself be victimized by that. You can act your way into new feelings. So do that. Practice speaking up. Someone who's depressed thinks, you know, my opinion's probably worthless. No one's going to want to hear from me. Well, the more you speak up, the more you add your confidence. And then uh, what I used for our quotation today, smile big. Try to feel defeated and depressed and smile big at the same time. You can't do it. And with a big smile, you tell yourself and others, hey, it's a great day. You're happy to be alive. A big smile reduces fear, worry, and that depression. You set yourself up for success. I mean, your success depends on the support of others. So to win that support, you must be likable. Being likable starts with thinking right toward other people. You know, take the initiative in building friendships. If you're out walking, you know, ask that guy who's riding a recumbent bike. Hey, I see you every morning. You know, what's your name? What's the deal with the Ferrari flag? Well, he's a real Ferrari buff, and we talked about that as well. But be interested in and like other people. Be generous with your time, energy, and strength. Now, I also want to ask you this. What are you doing to build success in areas of your life aside from work? What are you doing to be successful physically, spiritually, in your family, in your community, in your personal development? Now, I know that, you know, we talk a lot around here about finding meaning and fulfillment in your work. But if that's the only place you're finding those things, you're very vulnerable. Make sure you're building success in many areas of your life. I mean, your job can suck and you can still have a great life. So make sure that you're taking the initiative to build success in those other areas of your life. All right. Hey, let's take a quick break here just to remind you. We're looking at real life questions coming from you, the listeners. It's an honor to get those every week. Thanks for sending those in. Just go to 48days.com slash askdan to send your question in. Again, that's 48days.com slash askdan. That's where you can leave an audio. Got an audio coming up here in a minute. We're going to come back with that. So here's a quick message from our sponsors, and then I'll be right back with this audio clip that you're going to want to hear. Okay, so here's this audio clip that I'm going to play for you here. And it's it's very, very short, as you'll hear. And I love it because it's just very succinct. I get no other information, nothing at all. Check this out. Will I come into money in the future? There you go. That's it. I'll, I'll play it again, just so you can catch it there. I cut it a little short. Will I come into money in the future? Will I come into money in the future? Are you asking that about yourself? This comes from Claude. Will I come into money in the future? You want to know the answer to that? Now, I, I've got good news for you. I don't know Claude. 
Uh, so I, I don't know you, Claude, but I can't answer that question. I really can. And I just recently saw a Facebook post from a lady who claims to be able to tell the future, and she had some predictions about the current economic issues. Well, I'm not a psychic. I'm not a fortune teller. I'm not a prophet. But you know what? I can predict your future with an amazing degree of accuracy. I can't see into your mind. I don't even need to know your history. I don't need to know your degrees, your family. All I need to do is spend a day with you and listen to what you say and watch what you do. Your words and your actions will tell me exactly where you're going to be three years from now. And one of our 48 Days coaches recently had a conversation he was telling me about with an old friend of his who predicted what his day would hold. As they parted, the friend said, well, I'd better go see who won't hire me today. Now, what do you think he's going to experience in a workplace? His expectations are we're in a you know stalled economy. We're going into another political uh, election cycle, you know, and everybody seems to slow down a little bit in that period of time. So people are waiting to see how that's going to play out. No companies are hiring. We've got this quiet firing, quiet hiring going on right now. It's confusing to everybody on both sides. So he's just speaking in advance. I better go see who won't hire me today. You know, I ran into a guy. Uh, One time, it was in in a Best Buy. He said he had downloaded our resource, 48 low-cost business ideas. But then he added, but I'm a technology guy, so none of those would work for me. Well, you know, that list where you have 48 ideas links to another 1,000 ideas. But you know what? He's absolutely right. None of those are going to work for him. He's already decided. He's a technology guy, so they don't apply to him. He's right. Whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. That's right. If you know in advance those ideas, those thousand ideas aren't going to work for you, you're absolutely right. You know, the Bible is really clear about the power of our words. Check this out from the message. This comes out of James chapter 3. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke, and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. Well, there you go. So your life three years from now is not going to be determined by the economy It's not going to be determined by who's in the White House, not going to be determined by your education, your luck, the lottery, or your sign. It's going to be determined by your words and your actions today. So we go back to that question. Will you come into money in the future? Your words today, your actions today are setting the stage. If you want money in the future, are you doing things today that are making deposits in areas that are going to make that true for you. I mean, there's lots of things. It can be in doing a great job at your job, so you're going to get a promotion. It can be doing a job search. This is a great time with the volatility in the workplace. Companies are certainly hiring. They're looking for great people. You could get a job where you double your income, perhaps, if you want to do that. It 
maybe a time to start a side business or to go into business on your own or to have a business already where you decide, I'm going to do some things that are different. I mean, I've shared with you recently, I ought to do a little bit more of a unpacking the book that I just read by Dan Sullivan and Dr. Benjamin Hardy, 10X is easier than 2X. You know, if you want to 10X your business, there are ways to do that, no matter what it is, no matter what the business is. And they're saying that, you know, that doing that is easier than thinking about 2X, where you tend to just say, well, a little bit more of what I'm doing. But to 10X, you got to wipe the slate clean and take a really fresh look at. That's why I hired a coach for that, for us. Somebody come in with unbiased eyes, didn't have all the history, just look at it from a fresh start. And wow, she pointed out some things that were blew our minds when we really started to think about it. All right. Okay, hey, I got one more, one more thing that I want to share here, and we're going to wrap this up. This came from uh, Catherine, who said, just drop in a note, an idea, a thought, regarding the man who loaned you the Mercury Zephyr years ago. Um, in all my podcast listening, your book writings, Eagle Resources, and Dan Miller Discipleship, I've not encountered any info or follow-up on that story about that singular person who was there that moment in your life who loaned you that Mercury Zephyr. Please note, just a thought, not to impose or recommend more like customer research. Well, I appreciate your you're asking that. It's interesting, and it's very timely, and I'll tell you why. Now, just for the rest of you to kind of set the stage here, that was years ago when I sold a business at public auction. It was the Health and Fitness Center. And I woke up the next morning realizing that I was deeply, deeply in debt. Had a whole lot of people that needed to be paid, including the IRS. And it took a long time to unpack that mess that I had created. And during that time with the IRS taking everything, I mean, just stripping us down to the bone, I mean, with nothing, I needed a car. And uh, I had a friend who had a car lot. So he loaned me a car. Now, I told him, I said, you know, Danny, I, his name is Danny. I said, you know, I don't need anything fancy. I just need something to get me from point A to point B. And he loaned me, and it was a Mercury Zephyr, a Mercury Zephyr station wagon. Uh, the windows didn't go up and down. I held them up with sticky stuff just to hold them up. The radio didn't work. The air conditioning didn't work. I carried with me a little cassette player, battery-operated cassette player, where I started listening to the, the tapes that I mentioned, you know, those cassette tapes back then, listening to Jim Rohn and Zig Ziglar and Brian Tracy, Tommy Hopkins, you know, Norm Vincent Peale, those guys, those masters of achievement who were speaking positive information because I knew that my mind was like a garden. It could either grow weeds and they would multiply or I could force feed it positive things to keep those weeds crowded out. And that's certainly what I chose to do. So anyway, so he loaned me that car. I drove it for about four months. As I recall, it sucked oil. My gosh, it used like a quart of oil about every hundred miles, it seems to me. And I just kept it running. He didn't care. He didn't have any money tied up in it, so he didn't really care. But it was a big, big help to me to do that. So the question is, did I stay in touch with him? Or was that just a one-time thing? Was I embarrassed then to ever look him in the face again? No, not at all. We We remained really great friends. Again, his name was Danny. He was Danny Bear in Bowling Green, Kentucky. 
that happened, the incident you're talking about happened 35 years ago. That was a very long time. And you know what? Two days ago, that guy called me. He said he just missed talking with me. Left me a message. I called him back. We shared what was happening in our lives. He's retired. He built a new house with his wife on a lake up in Kentucky. He's loving life. Um, just doing some woodwork. He still plays with cars a little bit. Uh, primary, not to make money, but primarily to help people who are struggling to get through the process. He understands that. He still loves doing that. So he's still helping people. But yeah, we we stayed in touch. Uh, that that was a friend that was a friendship now here's the other side and not to just uh, i don't want to pat myself on the back by any means but danny was repaid over and over and over again by the people that i referred to him that he sold cars to thus our friendship flourished where it didn't feel like gee he was giving and i was just draining him no, he helped me out, but it created a gratitude there that I hopefully have repaid in many, many ways over the years. So, I mean, that's that's when you can have friends help you, when it is reciprocal, when it goes back and forth, depending on the need, the resources that are required. You can maintain friendships and get a lot of help from people around you doing that. Now, just to, just to wrap it up here. So I just sold a car. You know, I am I am a car guy. There've been a lot of I use cars as a, a lot to display kind of principles in my life. But I mentioned at the outset here that we've got this little course on car hacking, how to drive a car for free. Well, here's an example. So I just sold a car just um, two weeks ago. Yeah, well, actually, not even that. Yeah, two weeks, almost two weeks ago. It was a 1998 C5 Corvette. Now. So I, I bought that car on October 2nd of 2015. I bought it from an accountant. He's a, he was a single guy who was very, very particular about keeping things very neat and clean. I mean, the car was absolutely flawless. But I paid $12,800 for it. So again, I tend to drive cars where I don't have a lot of money tied up, but just something that's really interesting, something that's really cool looking. And it was, I mean, it was a head turner everywhere I went, little kids, old people who would say, oh my gosh, that car's awesome. And it really, it really was. Um, it had 56,000 miles on it when I bought it. So I drove it for, what is it, almost eight years. I put 22,000 miles on it. I drove it whenever I wanted to. No, I don't have a, a commute. So I don't, I'm not driving a long distance back and forth. So I don't put a lot of miles on it, but I drove whenever I wanted to. And I purposely looked for excuses to drive it. You know, Joanna and I would jump in it and drive down to Fort Myers to a car show or something. We looked for excuses to drive it. That was, it was, it was a cool car. No question about it. It was black. It was tuxedo black exterior. It had black ZR1 satin black rims on it. Windows were tinted, of course. I uh, had custom seat covers with Corvette embroidered in the headrest and that kind of thing. So it was a great car. But then I then I described it. Then I, I listed it for sale. Uh, it says, you know, the leather-wrapped steering wheel fronts a 200-mile-per-hour speedometer and a tachometer with a 6,500 RPM red line along with gauges for coolant temperature, oil pressure, voltage, fuel level. Included are two key fobs, a clean Florida title, the digital odometer indicates 78,168 miles, responsive acceleration, smooth cornering, a truly all-around exhilarating experience. 
that's some of the wording that I used, you know, to describe it. it had beautiful pictures of it. And I just sold it for $16,500. So I drove it not only for free for eight years, but I also made $3,700. Now, that may seem strange to y'all, but again, I didn't have a lot of money tied up in it. It was a gorgeous car, and I sold it after driving it for eight years, driving it whenever I wanted to, and um, got all my money back plus another $3,700. So if you go, if, it, if that intrigues you, again, go to uh, 48dayseagles.com slash car hacking, and you'll see a little video there where I describe how I did that. Well, remember our quotation again? quotation comes from david schwartz smile big try to feel defeated and smile big at the same time you can't experiment with that idea this week experiment with that till we get back together again next week smile see how it changes people's interaction of you how it changes how you feel the confidence that you feel guaranteed it'll do that well thanks for listening thanks for sending in your questions thanks for being open to growing and being a powerful force for making the world a better place Hey, share this episode with three of your friends, people who are also, who you know are committed to personal growth. You know, I'm getting a lot of inquiries from from young people, which I absolutely love. You know, kids who are teenagers, early 20s, who are saying, you know, how can I get on a path so that I make sure that, you know, able to accomplish things that they want to accomplish, make those dreams come true. There are kids like that out there waiting. So, you know, share this episode. We have a lot of young people listening to this podcast. They'll thank you for it. You'll become known as a person who's offering that hope and encouragement. It'll increase credibility and value in their eyes for you. You know, be that person and stay committed to your belief that we can, without a shadow of a doubt, find or create work and a life that are meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.